The content of this program does not reflect the views or opinions of 91.5 Jazz and More, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, or the Board of Regents of the Nevada System of Higher Education. Welcome to Gucci Row on the Rebel HD2. I'm your host, Kevin Kelly, with co-host Will Despart. Sitting Gucci Row like they say up at UNLV. Thanks for tuning in to our courtside conversations covering all things NBA. Young Rebel, young money, nothing you can tell me. What's up, y'all? Gucci Row. We're back. Episode 13. My name's Kevin Kelly. Will Despart. And uh, we got a lot of, lot for you today. Um, so, just to start, how are you doing, man? Start at December tomorrow. What are, what are we looking like? Can't believe it's December already. You went by fast, but I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Facts. Me too. Um, yeah, like we were just saying, finals, projects, wrapping up and stuff. So, it's getting hectic. And then December in Vegas, as you know is a, a really busy sports time so no it's good though yes sir what um i know you sent me some of the events you're doing what, what are you covering coming up here in, in december well we got the pac-12 coming up friday pac-12 championship mm-hmm. then the mountain west championship saturday so mm-hmm. that's a busy weekend of football for me i saw they just opened the uh they said they're opening the stands to the top ones yeah they opened up a top section for the unlv game saturday which is huge because they haven't done that yet yeah that's fire that'll that'll be that'll be fun and then um yeah we got the um legends of basketball invitational this weekend too right with usc and uh washington is it and then um yeah jack jones classic coming up a lot a lot of uh sports to cover here in usc and gonzaga it is and then is washington Washington, i think is yeah the next game yeah so so that'll be fun and then obviously uh in season tournament coming up here soon we um have the the semifinals and the finals here in Vegas which will be cool. I uh got my credential denied <laughs> which is, you know, good stuff, but nonetheless I'm excited for it and we'll be there. So that'll be fun for sure. Um to get into some of the NBA, there's um we're about, you know, a month and a half into the season now, almost 20 games you're getting like a slight read on what teams are doing um even though you know of the whatever quarters of the season the first one's probably the toughest to read but just going to go through a couple um standing surprises from either conference that we saw and uh yeah get into some in-season tournament talk a little bit about the Mavs who just had a big move and then um yeah get into some other basketball talk if we have the time but so I just wanted to start um over on the east my my big surprise so far has been uh the magic who are second place in the east at 13 and 5 they have eight wins in a row um yeah they they've been fun to watch especially like um Cole Anthony and Jalen Suggs they they're exciting they are just fun to watch in terms of um they they they're really animated and uh so so that's been cool um but we mentioned also recently i have to say this that uh because there's been a recent trend of rookies of the year who take their team to the playoffs in their their sophomore year, and we stood on the the fact that Paolo probably will not be in that um, group of guys. But it looks like you know second place they're on their way. Are we walking that back yet, or do we think there's a lot of season left? Oh, there's a lot of season left for sure as far as second place goes. I thought they could probably get themselves in the play-in, maybe like the bottom half of the like the teams that are solid in the playoffs. But I don't see them getting past like a six seed. 
Uh-huh. The interesting thing, though, is that, like, uh, you know, Paolo's been really good. He had player of the week recently, but, like, he hasn't had this um, sort of, like, significant leap that people would have predicted had the Magic been in second place at 13-5, and five, and neither has Franz. Like, they've both been good, but they're doing this without, like, a big jump from either of their two best players. So I think if there's one thing that helps them going down the road to maintain, like you said, maybe not home court advantage, but just being in the playoffs. I think they're building something good at that. And uh, even like their bench, like Mo Wagner's been one of the best backup centers in the league. Like, um, yeah, they've been fun to watch. The next one I have is the uh, the Pacers, who are in sixth in the East at nine and seven. Um, they've, as far as just like league pass teams, they've been maybe my the most fun to watch. Uh, they lead the league in points per game, assists per game, field goal percentage, and they're in first uh, in pace by a lot. They just get up and down and run, 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 um, and that's been fun. Have you gotten to catch many of their games or no? I've seen some Halliburton stuff. I haven't watched many Pacers games in full, but mm-hmm. Halliburton's had like a lot of highlights show up on my timeline and just been watching him. Like His numbers are work. ridiculous, yeah. I mean, I'm... I'm pretty confident saying that I think he's the best passer in the league right now and I don't really think it's that close um he's special I think that King's trade is definitely more up for debate than it maybe was last year it's kind of like it kind of like fluctuated in terms of like how like it's been Uh perceived right like immediately it was like oh Halliburton that's a horrible trade and then last year it was like oh it worked out perfect and then this year it's kind of like oh yeah is he better than Fox yeah like obviously you saw the Kings get third place and uh, ran into a tough Warriors matchup, but still, yeah, like that was clearly successful. Then that for them, while the Pacers side of things was like people were buying into maybe the ceiling and everything, but it wasn't showing yet. And now, yeah, you're really seeing that trade even out on both sides. It's maybe the rare win-win. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of too, the Kings, um, not as as high powered as last year, but they're still so fun to watch to me. And just like as a side note, Mike Brown is my favorite coach besides Spo in the league by far. He's <laughs> just his he has the most electric post game pressers and um I recommend you tune into any one of them because it's worth it. I'm still in on the Kings as far as playoffs. I think they could be a team that makes a finals run this year. Like I, I said that this summer, but mm-hmm. they remind me of the Warriors from like twenty thirteen or fourteen that were just on the verge of making a run. So I mean they didn't get that extra piece that I would have thought they would have got this offseason but they still have like a unbelievable core that i think will win them playoff games playoff series and get them to the conference finals or finals sooner rather than later no i agree and um like you said they didn't make any big moves but they you know keegan hasn't been shooting it well but he's still looked a lot better and a lot more confident um i they just got um De'Aaron back who's been even better than last year he looks like if he keeps this up, he could be in the MVP conversation too. So, yeah, they're um they're gonna be fun to keep an eye on going into this next season. I agree. I think that they don't they don't look like they're gonna fall off much in that sense. Um, so I guess I guess it'd be relatively easy to make a choice. But which team do you think of the first two uh, Eastern conferences that I mentioned have had a better start, the Magic or the Pacers, or I guess a more impressive start? I mean, it's got to be the Magic, right? I mean. Eight in a row, I think that's. I mean, it's for the start of the season for a team that young to come out that strong is impressive. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they'll be able to keep it up, but yeah, be fun I mean, to watch for sure. 
we'll see how it progresses. I think we'll I think like this is the part of the season where you start to really see where teams are. Like the next twenty or so games are like if they're if they're doing this for twenty more games, it's not a fluke. Yeah, I agree. I think that next chunk of fifteen twenty, like that December, January games, like that's when you saw the Celtics flip it around last year and turn yeah. into the team that they were. Yeah, teams are really starting to shape up. Um and so another one on the East, not a not a such a high note here, but the uh, Chicago Bulls are fifth, five and fourteen. They're in thirteenth right now in the East, um, and they have a bottom five def- uh, offense in most ways that you spin it. So that hasn't been good. And just f- some of the Bulls fans I follow are certainly not happy with what's going on. And like this has been a trend now for a couple of years of just mediocrity, despite having an expensive team with some stars so i know i've said it plenty of times but it really is time for them to blow it up i mean could anyone not see this coming from a mile away i mean (laughs) what do they have that's gonna win them a playoff series or playoff games like demar derozan hasn't been that in six years he hasn't been that since he left toronto that was 27 what not 2017 2019 right but sure and even then like it's not even showing up in the regular season. Like you can't have, like you said, Demar, who's, uh, you know, one of the better players of our generation, and then also Zach Levine, who's clearly a star in himself, and then Vooch, who they spent Carter and picks to go get anyway. I mean, like, Levine's a star, but he's not winning you a playoff series. He's like a Levine might be the most empty stats kind of guy, and as far as like stars go in the league, like well, it's also just that dy- like I feel like Demar. And Levine together was never going to well, work. Well, yeah, I think all of them together is just like Vucevic. Yeah, I don't he even can't know if he's even either, there yeah. anymore because that's how useless he's been. Uh-huh. Lonzo's not coming back ever. Yeah, it's I mean, disappointing. It's disappointing, sure. but it's it's sports. Like that's the type of stuff that happens. Yeah, and yeah, they've done nothing. Their big their big acquisition the past half decade was Alex Caruso, mm-hmm. and they're about to send him back to Los Angeles. Yeah. And then, like like you mentioned with Levine, it, they he seems to have like some sort of like rift or issues with Billy Donovan too. And you can't have like your best player and your coach not getting seemingly not getting along. Uh, yeah, it's just if there ever was a time, and it wasn't before, it is now to move on from either Demar Levine, Vooch. Or all, or some combination of the three. All of them. Get them yeah. all out of there. They're, maybe keep Vooch because he's a he's a big guy. Almost had a slip of tongue. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, actually, I think if I were to keep one of the three, actually, that's a good question. You're saying Vooch, you'd keep it the three? Yeah. I mean, I'd always keep a big anchor. I don't think two aging guards is. I mean, I don't know if I call Levine aging yet, but no, he's but, not getting any younger. And you're gonna get the and most Demar out of him is, by far. I mean, Demar, he has three years left in the league max in my opinion yeah i i might even say that i think they should just keep demar and then um let him be the tank captain like he was for the spurs get rid of levine get rid of vooch get some picks and some young guys and then let him run and get you a decent pick to move on in the future because like you said obviously he's aging too and is going to be out of there um so to move on to the the west conference unless you got anything else on that no, I'm, <laughs> I think we covered that. All right, so the Timberwolves are first place in the West. Um, they're 13-4. and four. They have the number one defense in the league. Um, Rudy Gobert has been special on that end, and uh, Ant-Man has been uh, an MVP candidate thus far. And, you know, a lot of we saw a lot of struggles between Rudy and uh, Cat 
in the front court last year, just in the fit and how it would work. And their defense even didn't look anywhere near as, as good as it should with a guy like Rudy. But it looks a lot different this year, and um, Ant has really stepped up to the plate on offense, so that's fun to watch. Uh, he's averaging 26, 6, and 5 right now, and he just looks uh, really hungry down the stretch to get the ball and take all the important shots, which he absolutely should be doing. So, I mean, he's ridiculous. He's He's my, my he might be my favorite player in the league right now besides Steph just because mm-hmm. he's just a dog like yeah he'll be an MVP sooner rather than later if he's not the MVP this season which is entirely likely if they keep doing this yeah he's that's possible and like you mentioned too like just the brand that he plays is so he's so athletic and explosive and like there's no one in <laughs> in the league that is uh, has less fear of going at the rim on top of someone than him so that that's fun to watch for sure another guy that uh was there last year but is certainly slipping in the MVP talks for this year is SGA. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander has the Thunder at 11-6. and six. They're fourth in the West. And right now, like you just mentioned with Ant, I'd say SGA is my pick for MVP this year. Um, you know, he, he averaged 31 last year, so you're probably not going to improve on that. But he's at like 30 points, 6, and 6 assists. Um, and he leads the league in steals at 2.4 steals per game, <laughs> which I thought I had to look up a couple times if that was even accurate. Um, the next highest is 1.9, but they've been getting after it. He's been getting after it. The Thunder are my other pick for the surprises in the West. He's sort of this other guy who he just needs wins to be the MVP, right? Like he's not going to do it with last year's record, but if he has the stats he keeps having and he he wins 60 games, 55 games in a year, I mean, you're the MVP. And like, kind of like I mentioned with Ant's brand of basketball, how it's super, you know, um, exciting and uh, explosive. Shea's is not. It's it's so like meticulous, um, and it, it's fun to watch just as like a, a, you know, a hoop fanatic, I guess. But just like, just nah, just someone who um, admires the differences in play styles between guys. Shea's really good at. Um, I'm sure I've mentioned it on here before, but just using his strength, getting to spots and not relying on um, um, explosiveness or athleticism as much as guys uh, that put up the numbers that he does. Um, Yeah, and then also while we're on the topic, Chet Holmgren's still sitting at number one on the uh, rookie ladder. He's been really fun to watch, and like we mentioned last time, his mentality is is, uh, special. I read a he had this thing on the NBA newsletter that went out this week just about um, what he he took mentally from being out last year and uh, just his, his like, mentality on the helping the community all year. And that's kind of irrelevant. But my, my point being, he's such a mature and uh, well-rounded player already just as a rookie, even though it's his second year. I, I can echo all that. Yeah. And then uh, the Grizzlies... I have as a surprise. It's not really that surprising, but they're four and thirteen. They're second to last in the West right now. Uh, it has not been good. They just won their first home game, uh, like almost twenty games into the season. So, you know, that's not good. Obviously, we predicted a slow start without them having Ja. Um, you know that that was always going to be an issue. But as we last year, if you look at the record, they it became a big talking point of how good they were without Ja. Um, and we haven't seen that at all this year. You know, they've been a lot more, there's a lot more injury than there was last year. The Grizzlies are missing uh, Steven Adams and Brandon Clark, who they've missed all year. And then they just lost Kennard, 
uh, Xavier Tillman and Marcus Smart. So that's obviously piling on, but they uh, they've looked bad. I mean, I I have no tears for the Grizzlies. I as a Warriors <laughs> fan, I mean that they had a lot to say. Yeah. So. And then I think it's comes funny. back comes back quick. I think it's funny now that you bring that up. I don't know if it was Clay or Steph. One of the two mentioned how like you have to be able to repeat this kind of thing and like you oh, can't yeah. talk until you you've been established. Their absolute that. peak was losing to the Warriors in the what night? It wasn't even the conference finals. It was the the round before semis. Yeah, and then that was their peak, and that was like the oh makes makes me. I'm interested to see if they will be able to turn it around. I don't know. I mean, I think they will, but not this season. I think yeah. Jaw's Jaw that type of player where he's just sure. you just need to put stuff around him. Oh yeah, I'm this not season, writing him. You're not gonna. He's it's too far gone. Yeah, I think it may be, which is wild because they have such a like I said injury, but they have a good roster even with that. Um, and then another minus here, I got your Warriors who uh, are eight and ten. They haven't been like you know, an atrocity or anything, but CP, CP3 has struggled and uh, struggled to find his place, really, and now he just ha- had an injury. And then uh, Clay has obviously struggled. They asked him in a, a, the post-game presser this week. Uh, someone, like, mentioned the idea of having him come off the bench, and he seemed pretty uh, upset at he that. He needs to go play for Indiana. They need to send him to Indiana. <laughs> I'm done with him. I'm done with Draymond, too. They're trash. They're wasting Steph's twilight of his career i used to be in the camp even as recently as this summer you could probably hear me say on this podcast say i want them to retire together that's canceled that's done (laughs) i'm done with that yeah and then like clay too he seemed i love clay but it's just like he's a baby it seems so salty like they asked him a very valid question about like lineup figuring out lineups especially because they brought in cp and have such unique lineups in general but um the prospect of him going to the bench is not outlandish at all. And his response was to, like, throw, why don't you say it for Wiggins? It's and- insane that he thinks he's good. It's insane that he thinks he's good. And everyone is saying it for Wiggins because Wiggins sucks too. And then his and then Clay's excuse was, like, basically, I've earned the the time to find my ground. Nobody, de- nobody does. No, LeBron doesn't earn the time to find it. It's the NBA. If you're 8-10, and 10, figure it out. I mean— just look at James Harden and, and how he gets treated. Luca, how he gets treated when they come back off not being in shape. And it's not even about being in shape. He's just not playing good basketball. I mean, he just sucks. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what else to say. He just sucks. I don't want I, I Every time he comes on the court, I'm just like, sit him on the bench. It's like, why is he in the game? <laughs> and that's another, like, Steve Kerr, man. I used to be in the camp where, like, oh, Steve Kerr can do no wrong. And that kind of changed a little bit, like, 2020, 2021, when I saw him kind of. It, it changed for me when he was, like, sitting Steph to start the fourth quarter, no matter what. He would sit Steph, like, yeah. the first eight, four to five minutes of the fourth quarter, no matter what the situation was. And mm-hmm. I was like, all right, this guy's an idiot. <laughs> but uh, he won the championship the next year, so I was like, okay, I'll cut him some slack. But now, what are we doing, dude? Some of these things, he's sitting Moody in, at the end of this in-season tournament thing I think so he can I think Bob Myers saw the writing on the wall oh I mean he he had to I mean yeah Kerr's a geriatric <laughs> like he he coaches basketball like he's 98 years old which isn't he's like Belichick almost like they, they're both like so cocky yeah. that they got like their wins how they got their wins so now they're never gonna change and yeah they could always turn it around but that's it hasn't looked very good and then um, 
I mean, they'll turn it around when they get rid of Kerr and they get rid of Clay and they get rid of Draymond. They have <laughs> Steph Curry. He's going to win games if you put a decent team around him. The team around him is terrible. Like, Clay Thompson is a, if you're redoing his 2K rating right now, he's like a 76. Yeah. I also still never forget that they drafted James Wiseman over LaMelo Ball. I mean, I try to forget. I try <laughs> as hard as I can. Yeah. I, I mean, that that would have changed things, that's for sure. I mean, that's Bob Myers. He And he gets to dip out on <laughs> ESPN and Make collect money a bag. And talk, yeah. I mean, whoever's decision that was needs to be tarred and feathered. <laughs> Bob was, uh, was quick to sign his name on that one. But moving on from the dubs, the one Please. more... <laughs> It's one more somewhat disappointing. I guess it's kind of turning around, but the Clippers uh, are 8-9 and nine right now. They obviously um, got James Harden and went 0-5 in the first five games that they had him. They're starting to come into form. You know, Harden's literally, like, playing himself into shape quite evidently. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Are you buying in on the Clips, or are they the Clips of always and uh, no, no – uh, Chance at a playoff? No, I'm not buying on the Clippers. <laughs> Why would anyone buy on on the Clippers? Who has ever showed? What have they shown you ever? That they're they're not even winning now. Like, and they have their guys, right? Yeah. So what are we doing? Yeah, they're I, gonna I mean, get injured eventually, and then they're gonna go tank. Like they do always face the bug. But the argument would be that, like, obviously, you know, you never expect a team that just adds someone like Harden um, to to get it right away. So, you know, I'll give them a little slack there, but even going into it, I didn't think that this, like, dynamic uh, was going to work really well. I just don't think that giving Harden the ball with the amount of usage that he has while you have uh, guys like PG and Kawhi that need also their shots, and it it just... I know he says he's the system, but I don't think he's the system for the Clippers. (laughs) But, uh... Yeah, so I'm not buying in either, and then I guess we'll see. I'm, I don't know. I'm not hopeful for them to make any deep run either, but um, moving on to speaking of run, we're on the uh, quarterfinals of the in-season tournament. Um, the group play just finished up this past week, and uh, so now we have it set. The Western quarterfinals is Pels versus Kings, and the uh, other one is Suns versus Lakers. And then the Easter quarterfinals are Knicks versus Bucks and Celtics versus Pacers. Did I say Pacers in the beginning? Uh, I'm going to run this whole thing out. back. Ready? The uh, quarterfinals for the in-season tournament is is here. And um, we have the matches up matches set up after group play is done. The West is Pels versus Kings and Suns versus Lakers. And the East is Knicks versus Bucks and Celtics versus Pacers. So that's all set. And that should be fun. But going back to some of the group play, um, the last few games were really important in terms of uh, point differential for finding seeding and who's going to be in these quarterfinals. So it led to some kind of interesting, I guess, situations. Because basically it's like if you have – there's only a handful of games that decide these standings. So if there's ties, it falls back to um, who scored more points. So that clearly – obviously incentivizes teams to run it up to the buzzer, leave their starters in, and, um, yeah, like I said, run it up, not have any quote-unquote respect for the other team or for the game. It's how it should be. Um, you're saying it's how it should be is keep running it. Well, yeah, that's how it should just be without, like, the incentive. Like, you should just always – I mean, without 
without you should pull your players for risk of injury, uh-huh. but you should never like yeah, and that's sit on the ball and and book. I saw uh his like interview his like locker room scrum. I just watched. They asked book about that, and he said the same thing. He's like, it's it's just higher competition. They say, why would we not want to play until the buzzer? Um, there's there's nothing like inherently like uh disrespectful about playing until the buzzer. So you're I, all getting paid. You're all professional athletes. If you're checking out early, who cares what the score is? You're I, checking out early. That, I agree. Go home. The Take argument ball, go home. will be the old heads who say like conventions and unwritten rules, which I think. Um, our generation is pretty clearly not a fan of anyway, so... Yeah, I mean, I don't really think conventions and unwritten rules existed when they were handing Will Chamberlain the ball to score 100 points for, like, yeah, no, garbage time. That's a really good point. And they were not only just doing that, they were playing the foul game. I, I read about that. They were, like, literally hacking the other team, not letting them shoot it. Yeah, so to act like that was not always the case is no. wild. And then, I mean, that's always the thing with the whole, whole holier-than-thou thing with generations above in any sport. They all did the same things. Yeah. So to explain, like, why, the context of that, the the Celtics were playing the Bulls in a moment where they were up, like, 30 uh, in the fourth, and they kept their Tatum and all their starters in and uh, even turned to hack a shack and Drummond. So, like, as soon as the Bulls would get the ball, they'd foul Drummond and make him go to the line because he's a terrible free throw shooter. And Billy Donovan, the Bulls coach, and Joe Mazzulla, the Celtics coach, met at half court, and you could see them like discussing this whole thing. And Billy seemed like slightly upset, but he was understanding of it. In his his presser, he said, um, uh, just something along the lines of he understands keeping the lineup in, but he uh, he said, great, keep them all in, play all the way till the end. I got no problem with it. I just thought it was putting Andre in a tough spot. I don't like that argument at all. I mean, I I think you're that, an NBA player again. Yeah, like my I think I care so much less about putting Andre Drummond in a spot where he has to shoot free throws because that's part of his job. I think that the bigger argument is just that like you're taking away good possessions of November basketball in games that are like otherwise inconsequential, and now we have to watch Andre Drummond go shoot ten free throws in a row instead of. Um, you know, the Bulls offense or whatever. So that to me is where you really lose out. But I understand that. It kind of turns the inconsequential to conssequential, right? Because you're fouling Drummond because it has consequence. But they're not fouling him to win. They're fouling him to win by 30. Like that's... It's true, but it's kind of like... Kind of like aggregate in soccer. I mean, I maybe mean, that's not the yeah. best comparison, but like you're, you gotta like. No, I, I hear what you're saying, and, and like you said, like, like it's not their it, fault. The if NBA you're a fan of that team, like it keeps you from turning off that game. Yeah. If you're a fan of like a new, it keeps you from turning off the game, which I think any game in November, if you can add that, yeah, that's helpful. So, yeah, I think like to that extent, the in-season tournament has been good or like working, so to speak. I mean, I think it's a success so far. I, yeah. I know, I agree. It's been fun, so we'll keep up with that, and then I guess uh, next episode we'll have the uh, this the finals for you for what what's going on there. And then um, just the last thing we'll touch on is the the Mavericks. Mark Cuban is selling the Mavs. Um, early in the week, there was a lot of speculation after he left Shark Tank and announced that there would be a sale of the Mavs. Um, and it looks like LV Sands uh, is is buying the team, and they plan to build like a Venetian type casino in Dallas with the arena in the middle of it because Texas is legalizing gambling. So the idea is that Mark like somehow keeps, I don't get this, but keeps his shares 
Andy gets to keep control of the team ops, but got to pocket $3 billion. Um, yeah, he bought it for $285 million in 2000 and just made almost $3 billion on it. So um, I, I guess we'll see the details of, you know, what the ownership change looks like or if there's going to be one. But I It's that just was really for the arena. It's just, I mean, from he's been saying this for over a year now. Mm-hmm. He wants that Vegas-style arena then resort and who better to bring in than the Vegas people. Yeah. It's a hell of a plan, so I, I mean uh, he can pull it off, I'm sure he can. And I mean as long as he controls basketball ops, I think that's what he really wants. He's he has his money in the toe, so Yeah, I was just surprised to see him pull out a shark tank. I didn't <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. We'll see if that show even stays on the air without him. I <laughs> yeah. mean He's, he seemed to be caring. I mean, that show's been on for, what, over a decade now, so. I <laughs> yeah, mean, I think it's he probably, had, It's probably winding down anyway. Yeah, it was his 10th year with it. Um, so, yeah, but I don't know. I mean, obviously, there was some talk of, like, whether people thought that the Mavs would be moving or anything, but he came out and no, shut that he'll down. never move the Mavs. He's, like, God in Dallas. Yeah. And I think, like, it's a smart uh, venture, you know? I think putting... Like I mentioned to you, I know you you made the point that like for locals having an arena not in a casino is really nice, but um, well that's just for Vegas locals specifically because we have so many casinos everywhere. Yeah. If I didn't live in Vegas, I like think it Dallas. was the coolest thing in the world. Yeah, if I live in like anywhere in Texas where I want to have to go, sp- like Texas is big. You're gonna if you're gonna go see the match, you're probably got driving from two hours, three hours out. You're gonna yeah. want to stay the night. It's a perfect idea. No, that's true. So that'll be, that'll be fine. I might have to tap in there. Oh no, yeah, but... I'm definitely open for a trip. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's all we got this week, man. Thanks for tapping in again, Scoochie Row. I'm Kevin Kelly. Well, that's part. All right, take care. That's a wrap for Gucci Row this week. Thanks for tuning in on the Rebel HD2 with your hosts, Kevin Kelly and Will Despart. You can find us on Instagram at 1KevKelly and Will Despart. We'll see you next time on the Rebel HD2.